I call today's board student success and policy committee meeting to order at 6.30 on Thursday, September 14th, 2023. Grace, would you be so kind as to call roll? Certainly. Um, Chair Alia Chisti? I am not chair. I am present, but I have turned over chair to our student trustee, Brandt. So trustee, student trustee Brandt is chairing. Student trustee Brandt? Present. Thank you. Um, trustee Alia Chisti? Present. Uh, trustee Morel Green is absent. Trustee Vic Chung? Present. You have a quorum. Thank you. And I just want to take a moment to acknowledge Academic Senate President Sherry Moralia for being here with us today. Thank you. Um, and I'm going to go on to reading the land acknowledgement statement. We acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. And as the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. But at this time, we're going to move into public comment. Um, and we're going to, this, this part of public comment is for items not on the agenda. So if there are public comments for other items, we will call them at the time of those items. Grace, do we have any public comment? We don't have. No? Chair. Okay, perfect. Thank you. And then um, now let's go on to minutes. Um, I'm looking to see if there's anybody that wants to make a motion to approve the minutes from our last student success and policy meeting. I'm sorry, Chair. We yeah. do have one public comment. Okay. Sorry. Thank you. Madeline Muller. Good evening. Um, just a request that I remembered reading the minutes on five, where it was reports and discussions. There was a student housing resolution. Last time I had to go to the meeting from Zoom, there wasn't an attachment anyplace. And this reminded me that I would really love to, I think the public and me would love to see that resolution. And similarly with, that was point A, point B was a data report um, and that also wasn't attached. So I'm just hoping that when we have these kinds of reports for the public, we can get them. And, and as a sidebar, I'm cleaning my house and have boxes full of stuff about these issues. And so, you know, maybe I can get some archival things and we don't have to repeat some of the stuff that we've gone through in the past. I don't live in the past. I collect the past so we don't have to relive it. Okay, so I hope to help. Thank you. Thank you for that. that concludes public comment. Thank you so much. Um, so I'm not sure how to proceed in terms of given what was said. Um, I I um, think we, we can hear and I'm sure the chancellor will follow up and make sure the items are posted. I think they were posted or attached. I remember seeing them. If I recall correctly, the resolution may have been uh, entered into the body of the board. Yes, doc that's what it is. As an attachment. Yeah, there the resolution was in the body of the item. So not as an attachment, but in the body. We can follow. We can. We Thank you. So at this time, I am seeking a motion to approve of the minutes from the Student Success and Policy Committee meeting held on August 10th. Is there a motion? Moved. Is Second. There, thank you. Moved by Trustee Chung, seconded by Trustee Chisty. Um, is there any discussion? Hearing and seeing none, the motion passes. The minutes are approved. Um, do we need to do a roll call vote for the minutes? I think we do. Okay, please. Sorry, Grace. <laughs> Um, Chair Brand. Chair Brand, <laughs> your advisory vote, please. Aye. Trustee Chisti. Aye. Trustee Chung. Aye. The motion passes. Thank you. Sorry, I spoke prematurely. Um, so now we're going to move on to agenda item 5A, awards and recognitions. Um, at this time, student 
Student Success and Policy Committee would like to acknowledge uh, the following individuals, Will Wu from Admissions and Records, Kevin Lee and Ken Lin from ITS for their exemplary commitment and diligence as they worked tirelessly to unmask ghost students, ensuring that fraudulent individuals were stopped from exploiting our financial aid system. These students seek to deceive uh, the college by applying for aid without attending a single class and could have caused significant harm to our institution. Thanks to the dedication and keen eye of these three esteemed employees, our college remains a place of integrity and fairness and for that, we are immensely grateful. Want to present the certificates? Are they here? Or? I'm sorry, Chair. We do have what public comment. Oh, thank you, Madeline Miller. <laughs> I just want to thank this committee so much for this. It's so worthwhile, and I'm so glad that that these three guys have been recognized. And on the behalf, especially as a chair, now two departments. Uh, and all the faculty involved, it's been, I mean, they, this is really important to every single class on campus. I, I don't know how much time we've all spent with, with Will and, the, and, 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 and mostly with Will, but with Kevin and Ken also. Um, it's, it's very difficult. And I think, I think we, we did it. And that's for, I mean, it's been years coming where we've tried to find the ghost students and it really bothers enrollment because you don't know until the first day of class if it's real and then it's too late. And all the faculty have been so concerned and we're so appreciative mm -hmm. of, of this effort. And I'm so glad that you're acknowledging it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Is there any further public comment? That concludes the public comment. Thank you. Um, trustees, is there any discussion on this item? Um, thank you, Chair Brand. I just, um, I don't know if Wilbur, Kevin, and Ken, are they here? Do they know about this? Do, where are they at? <laughs> Can we give this to somebody on their behalf? Uh, if I may, uh, Chair Brandt, I, I do believe uh, the individuals were not able to make it tonight. We did reach out uh, in advance of the meeting, and unfortunately, uh, timing uh, and schedules just did not align this evening. Understood. Thank you. Um, and just to, um, yeah, I mean, again, I just want to reiterate what was said. This is so, this is like some of the invisible work or the behind the behind the scenes and it's so important for us to um, acknowledge it so just really really appreciate Wilbur Kevin and Ken and like the goal of this commendation section in, in SSP is to really highlight some of the amazing work that um, is happening at our college so thank you for um, everything that you're doing for handling those ghost students I hope they got scared away so yeah <laughs> thank you okay so um, at this time, I'm going to move on to agenda item 6A, policies and admin procedure, and um, linked on the agenda was AP 5.6, code of student conduct. Um, given the advances in artificial intelligence and the implications for plagiarism, the Academic Senate recommended changes to AP 5.16, code of student conduct. Um, which has gone through all of the constituency groups at the college and has been recommended by Participatory Governance Council as of May 18th and accepted by the Chancellor on August 17th and is being presented to the Board of Trustees, um, Student Success and Policy Committee as an information item. I need to pull anything up or do anything. Is there any public comment on this, Grace? I'm sorry. We don't have. Okay. Okay. Is there anybody here to present on this item today? Oh, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you wanted me to present or if you were okay with it the way it is. Um, the, I guess it, just to be keep it brief and then I can answer questions. Um, starting in January of last year, the world really changed when you teach uh, any kind of writing. But actually, it goes more beyond just writing because these... Um, the artificial intelligence can do a pretty good job answering all sorts of different kinds of questions. And it the changes the teaching landscape a lot. And we're nowhere near figuring out how to both use it as a tool to actually help teach students because it can be a really valuable tool. Mm -hmm. And most faculty that I know are really trying to find ways to use it as opposed to fight it. But we do need to, in some cases, have a mechanism 
to ask students to produce original work and to protect those students that are used doing original work from people who might try to not do original work. And so this policy was um, modified just very slightly in order to allow faculty to have a little bit more flexibility and to be a little more specific about you know, faculty having the opportunity to tell students in advance, this you can use artificial intelligence on this assignment for in this particular way, but in this particular assignment, you can't. And it just gives us a little bit more clarity uh, for when we work with students. And again, I think the goal with any kind of academic dishonesty policy is to protect the students who are following all the rules uh, from people, the very, very few students who might try to, to get around them. And I have, I'm happy to answer any questions about the process or the wording if you have them. Thank you so much. Are there any questions from trustees at this time? Um, I was, I don't know if it was just missed when it was posted, but I was wondering if, um, or perhaps because of the, t the timeline in which um, this AP change was, was moved through, but did associate students have an opportunity to weigh in on this? They did. So the Academic Senate um, worked with educational policies to come up with the first pass for the language. It was approved by the Academic Senate, and then it went to um, to the associated students. They made some really excellent suggestions, which were incorporated. Faculty took that language back, made a few more tweaks, uh, and then we sent it off to PGC, and, and they have approved it as well. So yes, we did collaborate with associated students, especially for something like this. It's important. Yes, thank you. Thank you for coming to the meeting and for such a robust conversation, Trustee Chissy. Thank you. Um, I I I just had like a. Are there? Uh, I mean, people are going to use ChatGPT. It's just the world that we that we live in, and so I see the AP as kind of, um, right. Like if there, this is in relation to academic dishonesty, and um, now ChatGPT can fall under this category around plagiarism and um, claiming work that that's not yours. But are is there? Are there any guidelines that faculty have created on the use of um, chat GPT and um, like what is permissible, what is not permissible? And um, is that something that should perhaps, I don't know where it should accompany it, but it, I don't I don't know if that's an AP or more of like a policy that needs to. It's really a case by case basis. And that's where this gets really tricky. So we try to write the policy as in the, the faculty member has discretion mm -hmm. about saying how they're going to use it. So for example, I teach microbiology. My everything is open note and they can do anything they want because I actually don't like being a police officer. Mm -hmm. And I've found that I can write exams that um, that I can that that do a good job differentiating be between students who, who've learned the material and who haven't, regardless of, of the, pl the platforms that are available. But if you're teaching English... Mm -hmm. And you're trying to get a student who's who needs to develop better writing skills to be able to do that. Sometimes these tools can get in the way, right? right? So I think that you have to allow a faculty really need um, the flexibility. And I that's what we when we wrote the language, we tried to make that flexibility sort of built in that faculty could at their discretion say you can't use. Uh, artificial intelligence for this assignment, but you can use it for this assignment, or you can use it anytime you want, or you can never use it. That we wanted to make it so that depending on the needs of the students in the class, faculty had that kind of flexibility built in. I don't think you're going to find that it will work for uh, even a single department on campus to have one rule around mm. artificial intelligence. Okay. There are a lot of teachers who are really trying hard to figure out how to use it. I don't know if you follow yeah. Khan Academy at all. Uh -huh. yeah. but they have a really great tool for math students who can actually, um, basically it's like having a tutor that they work with the artificial intelligence. They'll answer a question and, it, and it's actually watching, looking for really specific errors in the algorithms to tell the students, to coach the students, oh, you made a mistake here, fix this. Mm -hmm. Because with math, it's actually really easy to do that. Right. So I think there's going to be wonderful teaching opportunities with AI over time. But I and, want, oh, and I do think faculty are really looking for those opportunities. I wonder if we're. My concern is: Are we burdening our faculty in some way by having to just? I, I don't know. Like, right? Investigate. Did the, is this? Did the student um, 
run this through AI. I don't know if there's like professional development things or trainings or I don't know. I'm just a little worried if I was an English teacher and I was teaching a class and to assume that and then having to go through that like, oh, I think this student you know, produce this through chat GPT. And maybe the students like I did not, I don't know. I'm just trying to like think of um, how uncomfortable that could be for faculty. I think this is really tough. I mean, if you, I, I subscribed to the New York times and the Washington post, and they've all had articles about how this is impacting teachers and how teachers yeah. are embracing it in some cases and struggling with it in others. And I think that um, this is going to, you know, I'm, I'm just, just to remind you the timeline, this happened in January. So from the beginning of the spring semester last year to the end, the, the world changed in terms of these chat, chat technologies, the artificial intelligent technologies being available and students realizing that they could use them. So we're just at the very baby beginning steps. Mm -hmm. um, so I think what would be a burden to faculty is not having a policy like this mm -hmm. in place mm -hmm. that gives them the flexibility to make a decision okay. for their students in order to serve, serve that population, what is best in terms of, of requirements. But I will tell you that everybody that I talk to on campus is talking about trying to figure out ways to work with these technologies to make instruction more interesting, more effective, more uh, iterative, right? Um, anyway, I, I the burden is out there because these technologies are out there. I wish we could do something to make it not so, but, but we're gonna, like everything else, it's like, you know, teaching students to type, they type my, my son can't handwrite because he's such a good typist, you know? So you change, technologies change and you learn to adapt. And we have to sometimes let go of the old ways and embrace the new ones and make sure that we're keeping our students um, in, in the century that they're in, so. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any further discussion? Hearing and seeing none, I'm going to continue. And I just want to acknowledge that Trustee Green has joined us, thank you for being here. <laughs> um, I'm going to move on to 7A reports and discussion. And um, under that is the rising yeah. scholars. Sorry, and I'm sorry, I just want to make sure yeah. do we have to do we have should we be voting to recommend it to the whole board? No, sorry, that was an informational item. Got it. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying, though. Um, so under 7A reports and discussion, we're going to hear updates regarding rising scholars and new directions. And I see uh, Carlos Webster here, and Dr. Mandy Liang, and Lisa Romano. Good evening, Board of Trustees, Chancellor, and Academic Senate President. Um, I'm Mandy Liang, I'm the Dean of Student Success, and I'm here tonight with Carlos Webster, the uh, Rising Scholars that's called New Directions Program at our college. Um, he's a counselor and coordinator, and Counseling Services and Program Department Chair Lisa Romano and Dean Jay Collin. And I'll turn it over to Carlos to do the brief presentation. Good evening, everybody. All right. Good evening. How do we, we have the, oh, so first of all, uh, tell you about uh, New Directions. You know, it's a uh, <clears throat> student support program for our formerly incarcerated, incarcerated and also just as impacted students. And provide services to support participants transition uh, who's transitioning from um, let's say from um, jail to you know to um, to school. Okay, uh, the main thing is trying to help them you know adjust to you know school life and also how to just get themselves together um, by providing um, also giving providing services and also providing resources that um, help them maintain and also stay in, stay here in school. Okay, New Direction is an academic support program for our current incarcerated and former incarcerated students. Also, like I said, we provide some support, um, supported programs. I'm sorry, let me just kind of slow down a little bit. Provide services to support participants transitions to our college community, okay? And also to help them stay in, um, stay in college. Next um, slide, please. Okay. Um, our location is in Science 120. Um, our days are Tuesdays and Thursdays and um, from 8.30 to 4.30. Um, during that time, I'm open um, and also providing counseling and as well as advising and also a place to uh, for students to come and to do their homework and just to kind of lounge around and just kind of get to know each other. Okay. Uh, student demographics. Um, at this at the current time, we have a, approximately from two, 2022 to 2023, 491 students, uh, not in program, but enrolled in um, City College of San Francisco. Okay. 
And under that, uh, we have, um, you know, the demographics of American um, Indians, we have certain small amount. Um, Afri um, African-American um, population is 23.48%, uh, or um, <clears throat> Latino um, population is 28, 26.77%, and also our white population, 22.48%. And that's <clears throat> the biggest populations, our biggest populations here um, in City College San Francisco at the moment. A program of services, academic counseling, financial aid, information, uh, peer, peer support, mentoring, tutoring, assistance in navigation um, the college system, campus tours, referrals to college and community services, access to computer printer, coffee. We also have snacks, you know, providing for them, safe place to come and do their homework and, you know, just mingle and building and also building community. Course offering, we have a course offering um, coming up this fall. At, um, in, in the um, county jail, which would be IDST um, 37. Yeah. Uh, we have a student, when you go into our website, you can go, the student can go into the student interest form and uh, click on that and then fill out the interest form if they're interested. And um, actually, they'll be enrolled into our, once they go uh, complete that form, that puts them in, into the program. With that, you know, they would be, you know, get uh, additional um, student supports like backpack, um, notebooks. As well as, um, like I said, additional um, you know, pens and paper, you know, pens and papers, and uh, like I said, just additional, um, oh, mail card and also a um, fast um, clipper card as well. Yeah. Um, also, juvenile justice um, programs. We also um, part of the Rising Scholars Juvenile Justice Program, where we're going to the juvenile halls um, twice a month. Um, uh, we also have the um, this, this year we just got granted 1.5 million for five for five years. A grant for two, uh, for 2023 to 2028. Um, our direct, uh, we're working on trying to um, hire a direct um, director right now. It's in, that's in process. Uh, director position will be created for the for this program. The juvenile justice program provides support to the juvenile justice involved students and created pathways for detainment um, to college and career opportunities through partnerships with internal and external. Um, statehood stakeholders. Uh, what's so good about that? Um, our um, students that's that's um that are in question and not um who are also just impacted have also uh, caseworkers that works with them works closely with me as well yeah our resource needed um, sustainable funding for um for the for two full-time counseling faculty sustainable funding for the full-time classified support staff uh we already we have a spot well for the new center coming up we do have space for the new in the new center that's coming up I want to thank you, um, Dean Mandy, um, also Lisa Romano, and also thank you for um, the board. Okay, okay. Thank you. And Dean Collins. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And Dean Collins. That's okay. So, hi, I'm Dean J. Dogger Carlin. I'm the Dean of Social Sciences, Behavioral Sciences, Ethnic Studies, and Social Justice. And my role with this and working in collaboration with this team is that I oversee our collaboration with Five Keys. And Five Keys is our academic program in San Francisco County Jails. And so we work closely together in this program. And I wanted to come and speak about what we're doing with that. So that program that we're offering this fall, IDST 37, is part of a degree pathway that we're now doing in the San Francisco County Jails, allowing our students in the jails to receive, to work on their degree requirements for the social justice ethnic studies degree. We're already into that. They're now into their third semester of, of working on that. We have a cohort of students, about 25 uh, in the men's jail, working through that program. In the spring, we're launching after having um, <clears throat> uh, hold um, uh, our, um, our incarcerated uh, community there. They wanted to start on the trauma recovery um, and pre prevention and recovery certificate. And so we're going to be starting that in the spring. So they'll be having two pathways that they can do. Some of those classes actually overlap. So we'll be having that. We were discussing today in a meeting about how we have the A side and the B side of the jail. And so we sort of have to alternate which side and we're realizing that we need to double up um, on our classes. So we'll be repeating classes in order to make sure that both sides can do that. There's also concerns and questions about how we're serving the women in the jails. And so it's a constant, there's a lot of um, more barriers to being able to offer classes for women. It's a real concern of five keys and of us. And so we're looking at ways of, of working with that. So, so my program 
being that it's the academic end, we're offering the courses, bringing in the faculty and 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 working with five keys to to coordinate with the sheriff and then um, new directions is who we work with from there on. So we wanted to be sure that you understood all those different programs we have going. So Andy. Thank you. And we'll be happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you so much. And my apologies. I didn't realize you were presenting, Jay, or I would have mentioned you. Um, and this all sounds amazing. Um, I am going to go over to Grace to see if there's any public comment on this item before I open it up to trustees. Nope, there's no public Thank comment. Thank you. Sorry. Trustees, is there any discussion? Sorry. Okay. Oh, excuse me. I just, I just have a question. Um, do you know, excuse me, <laughs> if there was a similar program at City College at one time? I'm sorry? Do you know if there was a similar program at City College at one time? Um, like the Second Chance program or something like this? Are you talking about <laughs> no, that? actually an instructional program in the county jail. Oh, this has been a long-term program. So our, our cooperation with Five Keys has been around for as long as I've been at City College. Which is? This Five Keys program? No, no. How long? <laughs> oh, I've been at City College for 15 years. Okay. Um, I can't speak directly to this, but when I was a when I was the chair of behavioral sciences, I was offering classes as a chair in the jail. So I, I'm very familiar with it from then. When I was faculty, I was involved somewhat. So this is a long-term program. I can't speak to how long it is, but long time. I, I thought this is our first time though offering degree and certificate pathways. I thought that the college had a prior history of offering classes at the jails that went back to the 60s, to the 70s and the 80s. Could be, but I was not. I was in school. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I can, I'll just say um, in 2007, I was able to work with Amber Strauss in San Francisco and San Bruno County Jails uh, 7 and 8, mm -hmm. um, helping incarcerated women get their GEDs through CCSF. So, yeah. Um, there is a history of of trying to serve this community and population. We have a long and really robust history and a really positive relationship with Five Keys. So, and our collaboration with them. Thank you. Are there any other questions from trustees at this time? Go ahead. Sorry. Um, Thank you so much for presenting. And I know that um, um, Chair Brant, you've also done a lot of work with um, new directions and and some of the, I think there was a press conference or something related to this. So I just want to congratulate you all on that grant that we received. That's a really big deal. Um, and then I also want to thank um, Mr. Webster for coming because I explicitly asked for you to come to committee because I really wanted to know your perspective since you're the counselor. And so um, just really, really appreciate you coming to um, the committee meeting so that we can kind of get an on the ground um, and just in a different perspective. So thank you for that. And um, with that, I do have um, a few questions, but I'll take a step back and kind of um, tie this theme that's coming up with all of these different presentations that we have and just a little bit ties into the budget discussion around um, and, and kind of what I envision is that all of these different programs have competing needs and I think they know what they need. And um, so I kind of envision that there's like, a little bit like Obama's race to the top, but even though that didn't go well, but like there's kind of a, a pot of money, right? And different programs kind of are writing a proposal um, of, well, we want to tap into this much money so that we could use it for X, Y, Z. And so giving them that flexibility and, um, and I don't know, maybe we would have some committee that would establish parameters for these funds of like serving, um, underrepresented student populations, making sure that it's going for direct services. Um, so maybe we can flesh that out a little bit more. I think it ties into the next item as well. Um, I am seeing this, and I think we got this from the Umoja presentation a little while ago, that there's a need for staff um, and to really build that out. And that's an ongoing um, cost. Um, so I don't know, maybe we can just hear a little bit more about that that need. I, I'm curious to know about that. Um, and I also wanted to go back to the date, the chart, the graph chart. So is that, does that, how many students are in new directions? Is it 491? 
So that is the total number um, according to the 22-23 um, academic year currently uh, enrolled. That, that include the formerly and currently incarcerated students. Uh, we are mindful and be sensitive to these uh, populations. So um, Carlos definitely is working a lot, building internal and external partnerships to reach out and um, have the students come in. And we did run a Canvas campaign last week um, to broadcast a message about New Directions program to all students. So we are hoping to bring more students in. Let me just say that our, our five piece classes have about 25 students in them per semester. We've had limitations. It's been very difficult during COVID, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And we're just now getting all of the classrooms opened um, at the jail. And so we have um, we have high demand at the jail for the classes, but limited space. And so that's one of our one of our issues on enrollment there is that they just don't have the space or they don't they have staffing problems at the jails mm -hmm. that are also limiting uh, student enrollment. And so they're just now just this last semester did they open it up and we were actually offering classes through correspondence during the because they don't have Internet. And we were also offering classes like in a hallway and things because they couldn't open classrooms. So we've been really creative in our continuing to offer classes for our incarcerated community all through the pandemic. So it's been it's been a long haul, but it's a new day because we're finally getting back into classrooms and things. That's great. And 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 just kind of going back to the need conversation. And so, like, what are some of the needs of the students that are served? Um, like, like now what I'm hearing is possibly hotspots or uh, like access. To, like, so from your perspective, from a counseling, like, just tell us what you hear. <laughs> Definitely hotspots, because um, especially where we are, um, a lot of students don't have their, um, well, now they're getting notebooks from the library. Some of them are. But a lot of them still need, um, when they get out, um, they need laptops. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the main thing. Laptops, hotspots, you know, so they can make sure they get their Wi-Fi going as well. Um, the book, books, they need books. And that's, that's an ongoing thing where our students come in and they're talking about Mr. Webster. Can I get a book uh, voucher? But Mr. Boucher, Mr. Webster, can I, you know, well, then that's, you know, that's where we go in, you know, trying to get, get them their books, the majority. Um, some um, are coming out because they were incarcerated, they were incarcerated while they were in, while they were in school. And then all of a sudden they owe bills. So somebody owe um, a, a oh. debt of maybe so much money. So also paying their debt off so they can, go, you know, continue going to school once they get out. Yeah. Great. Yeah, that's I mean, I see that a part of this little pot of money and these one time funds that programs could use. I wanted to add that we have students um, in the San Francisco jail that don't qualify for like free city mm. um, because they may have been um, they may have never lived in the city of San Francisco during the time before they were incarcerated or they didn't meet that. Yeah. So they have unpaid um, fees mm -hmm. um, that they cannot then they're not earning income. They don't have income to then pay those fees. So that, that is sometimes a barrier for them to continue with us during their time. Um, I'll just say that the, the, the teaching environment in the jail is very difficult. Um, and so there's, there's no internet, there's no library, um, and there's no ability for us to give students books. So our ability to teach is, you know, the, the, I just want to give a shout out to the faculty yeah. that are working with us or are amazing in their creativity and the ways that they're bringing really high quality education to students, given that there's no library and no access, students have no access to the internet. Um, and really um, giving books is not something that's a, that's a sustainable. Mm -hmm. So how they're delivering um, education is, is really amazing. Um, and yeah. so we do have, we do have a problem somewhat with sometimes with fees and how we're negotiating, helping students pay those fees if they've had to drop a class or something like that during the time while they're incarcerated, then they may have outstanding fees. And we work with that and we're making that work and our team is making that work, but that is a, that is a barrier. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, I am really, really excited to hear about this. And um, I think, We've had quite a bit of a discussion around student debt. We've addressed one student debt piece around um, Free City, but I think that was only a piece of the conversation. I think we need to kind of continue um, looking at how to address some of these um, barriers um, that if we address could also help with enrollment and things like that. So thank you for everything that you do. And I'll turn it back over to Chair Brandt. 
Thank you. I kind of want to say something in regards to what we're talking about and what you're talking about, Trustee Chissy, before I see if anybody else wants to say anything. Um, I just want to say that the needs of this community vary, right, depending upon whether they're in or out. And I have seen a lot of overlap here at CCSF between our system impacted student and our student parent population. Um, and I think one of the things that we're trying to do to support, um, at least from an associated student perspective, is offering book vouchers um, to cover the cost of textbooks um, for students and giving priority access to students who are a part of New Directions as a part of that. Um, aside from that, I did have um, some other things I wanted to say, but I want to see if there's any trustees that want to say anything else. Go ahead, Trustee Chung. Thank you. Um, I think what um, I just want to also share that the the presentation that's posted on board docs doesn't actually the the charts aren't as complete as they were when they were appearing on Zoom. Even when I download the doc, the document, I couldn't see the data. But I I think something that right when we talk about the allocation of additional resources, right, and and bringing. I think the other layer that we need to talk about, because it's, it's touched on, right, as far as what the resource needs are, but I think, um, and we've we've also touched on it, I feel like, right, because because um, Mr. Webster, you're, like, Councilor Webster, you're, you're not exclusively dedicated to New Directions, right? You are, you are part-time with Emoja as well, aren't you? Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of, um, I think that's the layer that I really want to address as well is like how much staffing is, is a, are we currently at, right? With New Directions, with Emoja and where we want to write as a, as a board, right? When we're establishing policies, where we want to see it, it at. And I think, um, I think one of the, the other thing that I really want to center on is I, um, is particularly like I mean for for all programs, but particularly because we're dealing with um, a population that um, is so systemically abused by our system. I think we it's so important that we are collaborative and engaging with the students and with the the people who are on the ground. Right with you, Councillor Webster, who is on the ground, who understands what it's like to be interfacing with these students, right, and developing, right, because with this new additional funding, I know we have a grant, but what I'm, uh, what I hope to do is actually to meet with some of the additional staff from the state chancellor's office, because my understanding is there's a, there's a additional, there's like loads and pots of money, and I hope to really bring it to a city college and to really truly serve these students. I, I also realized there's this element that I, I think we talk about on the board because we're always like, we'll bring more funding, we'll bring more funding. But I, I think I also want to recognize that it's also more work for the administrators and all of you involved, right? It's This is not easy. Like collaborative governance is not easy. Like bringing everybody into the room and, and making these decisions is not easy. Running the program, um, even if even when there is um, institutional, like some institutional memory, right? I think second chance, my understanding was second chance was a, was a community gem. Yeah. And so, um, like my hope, and actually some the inspiration for a, other community colleges. And so, to me, wanting to revive, um, right, the the vision and 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 like the spirit and and the practices of second chances is. Um, but I also I just want to recognize and thank all of you for doing the work on the ground. Like I'm I'm gonna try to do my best to do the leg work to bring more funding. But thank you so much for for being on the ground to do this work. Oh. I, I was gonna say I see. <laughs> yeah. Of uh, counseling services and programs. My vision for New Directions when we first started was to have two full-time faculty members, a male and a female, so that we could work with both the male and female students. Um, I have extensive experience working in the community. I have like 10, 15 years work at working in North Beach and in Chinatown. And one of the things that you learn when you work in the community is you you get as much resources as you can, and whatever resources you don't have, you kind of like get it together and you get it started. And I have always had the practice of getting something started and making sure it was working really well so that we can come out and say, we're, you know, we're doing this and it's working really well. Now I need more money. Give me more money. And then what happened with Umoja, <clears throat> as you're talking about staffing, is all of a sudden, 
all the faculty that were at Umoja retired. They just like left. And I was left with no one there. And so I moved a couple of faculty members. It's not the best possible situation, Mm -hmm. but I could not let Umoja, Mm -hmm. you know, be left with nothing. Mm -hmm. So I have a, you know, right now the Latino faculty member working there and Carlos working there part time. But again, the goal is to bring in faculty members that reflect the students Mm -hmm. so that we can serve them in the way that we should be. And so the funding that you would bring in and you know to help us with that would be would be great because with the with the recent layoffs and what's happening in counseling and you know many of you know I I keep saying we only got 40 counselors that's it period for the whole entire college for all these programs that we're doing all the multicultural programs LSN to lie vasa all of that uh punte you know and so but we have to start again and we have to begin to look at if this is important to us, then we have to be able to put our money out there, our money where our mouth is and begin to hire some folk. And and maybe right now part-time, maybe right now full-time is not gonna work, but at least let me get some part-timers in so that we can begin to build the program and continue to have those services. So that's kind of from a department sphere standpoint. And I know Madeline, you totally agree with me. That's, you know, that that's my worry. That's my day-to-day worry is how am I going to keep these programs mm-hmm. going? And all these programs are extremely valuable. And many of these programs, when they started, you know, it was blood, sweat, and tears. Mm-hmm. You know, I have been here for every single program that started, every single multicultural program that started. And so, and I totally value and support these programs, but I need you to help me. I need you to help me. I need you to bring the funding in so that we can hire folks to continue this important work. Thank you so much for that. Um, Well, thank you for the work that you're doing. And I know that um, not much was mentioned um, in your presentation in the way of uh, the press conference, but I will say it was really nice to be there with you all. Lisa, Carlos, Mandy, um, Dr. Cooper Wilkins, um, Chancellor Martin, um, and our president uh, of the board, Alan Wong, and myself. Um, And I have been able to sit in in conversations um, with the San Francisco Public Defender's Office and Dean Liang, um, and I think Lisa was also there too as well, um, as we discussed the MOU, the Memorandum of Understanding, and took a look at how Project Rebound is doing things at SF State. Um, and so I think there's a lot of really great work happening here. Um, it, it's going to take more money and time for sure. And we hear you. Um, I think one of the questions that I had was regarding the slide on resources that you need. I was I just wanted clarification if those are new asks or if those are things that you've previously already been asking for? Um, so in terms of the staffing, as you heard from the, te- the department chair and the faculty, right? So um, currently you're supported by the current grants that we will see in the new directions program. Uh, we definitely, it's a three-year grant, right? So um, definitely with the new grant coming in and we're creating the director position, um, that is only a five-year grant. So um, that is something that we need to look at as a college to sustain those positions and continue to expand our services and programs. And as Carlos mentioned earlier, I just want to clarify that we do have a space in the new yes. building design. Yeah. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Are there any further questions from trustees? Go ahead, Trustee Chung. And I, I just want to, because um, you mentioned, right, serving formerly incarcerated women, and we used to have a, a program called Way Pass, and I just I wanted to know if there was also room within the new Student Success Center for it, and or is there, right, like, what what is the plan for it? What do you know about Way Pass? Nothing, right? We don't have way pass at this point. Um, you know, I was really speaking to our bringing classes back into the into the jails and and it's serving the women's jail area. And there's a bunch of systemic barriers that are not on our end that is making it difficult for us to bring classes. But it's something that I bring up in each one of the we have a an advisory board that I meet with regularly. And it's a, a big issue that I bring forward at each time. And that advisory board is is us and the sheriff's uh, people and five keys and faculty and other things. And so um, it's a systemic barrier that we have that we're working with. Thank you. 
I also would like to ask if uh, Vice Chancellor Dr. Cooper Wilkins have anything to add. Um, no, I'm just really excited everyone else about the way we're able to elevate support to our um, uh, justice impacted students. And I heard a question about our new student success uh, building and whether or not there was space in it. Um, one of the things that we will be engaging in discussion about is really advancing the concept of this uh, student success neighborhood, because everything will not fit in the student success center, but we'll have to leverage some of the spaces that are remaining in um, safe spaces like the student union so that we can bring as many of the services as closer, as close in proximity as we can to help, you know, again, support student experience so that they're not dispersed too far and wide across the campus. Thank you for that, Trustee Chung. Um, and if I may, I, I think, like, I hope that there is um, a plan for us to bring WayPass back, because I think it's just, right, it's origins and, right, being being a Project Survive um, alumni myself, right, I think the importance that Right, formerly incarcerated women may not necessarily feel safe in a space that is shared mm -hmm. um, with formerly incarcerated men um, or, or non-binary, right, and tr trans community who were formerly incarcerated. So I just feel like it's really important um, that we we create that kind of space, and I hope there's at least um, you know some robust conversation about bringing it back. And Thank you. Like I said, I will I will do the work. I will bring you funding. <laughs> Thank you. Really appreciate that. Okay. If it's okay, I'm going to wrap up discussion so that we can make sure to get to the next item on the agenda. Is that okay with everybody? All right. Then I'm going to move on to item 7B. Um, on February 16, 2023, the board unanimously passed the Black History Month resolution, which in part calls for updates to the board regarding programs and services for African-American students at CCSF. At, these, at this time, we will hear an update regarding the current work of the Umoja program, the African-American Scholastic Program, and the African-American Studies Resource Center. Um, we look forward to hearing information on current activities and how African-American student supports will be included in upcoming college-wide planning as a part of student recruitment and retention efforts. Is there somebody here to present? It's all of us again. Okay, yay, sorry, I wish I knew. So I, yes, please go ahead if there's, I think there was something attached on the agenda, if we can pull that up maybe. I'd like to ask uh, Dr. Cooper Wilkins, do you wanna give a quick sure. overview first or? Sure, um, so thank you again for the opportunity to bring um, updates that are relevant to the Black History Month resolution that was uh, recently passed. And so what we'd like to do is um, first, um, I believe Carlos will give us an overview about what the Emoja and the African-American Scholastic Program um, is currently doing and some of the new initiatives underway. And then uh, we have uh, Dean Jay Carlin here to also talk about um, some of the exciting new directions for the African-American Resource Center. Okay. <clears throat> uh, currently the um, African-American Scholastics and Umoja program or um, is first is affiliated with, um, is an affiliated college and the Umoja community and, um, let me see, I don't have my glasses. Maintains an ongoing um, is a um, MOU with um, you know ongoing every year um, from 2023 to 2024. Um, thank you. Um, recently, we just have just been approved um, our, our strategic um, <clears throat> plan and was uh, recently awarded 20, two, um, 200, 20, um, $202,000 um, grant awarded for the 2023-24 academic year. Um, First of all, just kind of saying what, what's going on with this. We are all we, uh, we also have, like I said, our as our students come on, come along, we also have them, you know, like I said, fill out the application and take care of, um, like I said, um, give our various services, providing them with um, a food card, um, as well as um, like I said, now we're trying to um, implement book vouchers, as well, you know, with our students as they come along, but also activities. We're looking forward to um, reactivating, like we did in the past, um, college tours. Local colleges and also historical black college tours. Um, also, um, our conferences um, that new emotional conference that's coming up as well on the mm -hmm. on in November and also in, in the upcoming um, future in the in um, the spring and fall in um, summer. Um, 
Uh, we also have, um, you know, our, our, our research center that we provide um, in Library 209, where the students come and do their homework. And um, like I said, not only that, just kind of, and also like to meet. And um, like I said, if they need meeting room, we have meeting room as well. We also have space as well in the new uh, Student Success Center that's, um, that will be um, built in 20, um, within the next few years. Okay. Um, our endeavors to support uh, all students, especially those who are um, experiencing achievements, gaps at the college uh, to succeed academically. Okay. Um, we, can connect, uh, we connect students with um, the books for, um, for courses, um, especially those of African-American and ethnic um, studies uh, students departments. Um, Carlos, can I provide them with any um, like I said, come print paper. We also have, you know, where they can print out their homework, or whatever um, resources they need for um, printing. Okay. Um, let's see what else. Uh, Carlos, I was going to ask if you could. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Advance, yeah, if know. they could advance the, um, the slide there at the end of this presentation is an excerpt from the strategic plan. Um, the Emoja um, AASP strategic plan. I don't know if you want to speak to that. I know they have a list of the goals that you all outlined. I believe those are on the last page. Thank you for that. So the African-American Resource Center parallels two other things that happen on campus. And the reason why it fits under my area is because similar to the Women's Resource Center, it's linked to an academic program. So Women's Resource Center is linked to Project Survive, which you brought up, and also the WGST academic program. The, Acad the African-American Resource Center is linked to the African-American Studies program, but it is a resource center that's open to all, just like the Women's Resource Center is. We really think of the African-American Resource Center also as being sort of like a cultural and spiritual home for Black and African-American students on campus. Um, and it's also similar in its relationship to Umoja, similar to how we have the Veterans Center and the Veterans Resource Center. The two of them sort of work together um, in a kind of synergistic way, but also serve in different capacities. With the African-American Resource Center, which is headed up by our amazing department chair of African-American studies, Dorian Brown, um, and he sort of leads that center to be a place where African-American students and Black students can come during their day to just reset to have a place to come, to grab some food, to hang out, to use computers, to meet with their faculty uh, in the African-American studies program or other faculty can come by and meet with students and have a place to come that feels like it's a safe and restorative place. There's also, it's sort of the seat of all the cultural events that are gonna be on campus. And it, it works very closely with the Black Student Union. And it has things like um, Black Film Friday. It helps work on the African-American History Month. Um, it has, um, events on Tuesdays that I can't remember right now because my entire mind has gone blank because that's very helpful at these moments. Um, and it also has, uh, so it works on these kinds of things that it does as well as mentoring um, and, uh, and, and helping students figure out what their ed plan is going to be in more casual environments. And then also it works with Umoja. We're having some really um, exciting things happen. One is that we're going to be moving the African-American Resource Center. It has been in Batmal Hall in kind of an away place, um, and it's going to be being moved. I can't say exactly where yet, but it, where it's going to be moving is going to make it very close to Omoja. So that is going to then parallel sort of like the Veterans Resource Center and the Veterans Center, which has kind of this cultural space for veterans and then also the more academically focused counseling area of the Veterans Center. So they're going to be very close together, which I think is going to allow us to reimagine how the African-American Resource Center is going to work in synergy with Omoja. And the other thing is that we're bringing on a coordinator, which is going to finally put the African-American Resource Center on par with its sibling, the Women's Resource Center, which has a coordinator, a faculty coordinator for 15 hours a week. And so we're going to have a faculty coordinator working with the department chair to help increase staffing, increase visibility, let students know that they're there and create that space on campus. So that's kind of what's going on with the African-American Resource Center right now. That move is going to happen hopefully pretty soon, and we'll be able to announce the space. We've got two spaces that are very close to Emoja that we're just clarifying right now with facilities to make that happen. So happy to answer questions or... Thank you. Um, I know I have some. I don't know if anybody else does first. Oh, sorry. Actually, before we do that, is there any public comment on this item? 
No, we don't have. Okay, thank you. And also, I just want to add, at the end of the year, we also have a rights of passage program for our students mm -hmm. who are graduating, transferring, also completing their certificates. Thank you. I wanted to add too that um, the African American Resource Center also works closely with um, with uh, our IDST program, which is where a lot of our ethnic studies work. And we have like a college tour, um, and we just went and looked at Howard and things over the summer and other things. So th there's a way that, that the programs within the ethnic studies and social justice area work together to support these students too. Thank you. Are there any questions? Go ahead, please. Um, so th thank you so much for the presentation. I think I just want to provide a little bit of um, background um, is that this board um, passed this resolution back in February. Thank you to um, Trustee Green and Trustee Williams for collaborating in that process and the entire board for supporting the resolution. And I think a goal of passing the resolution is to keep an eye on how we are with the movement of those things and those uh, uh, ideologies that encompass the resolution. So that's why we're kind of here getting an update. So thank you so much for that. Um, I think that there was one piece um, specific to the resolution that was around the establishment of a committee um, that, and I can pull up the specific language, but it was the quarterly presentation from the committee identifying issues, including but not limited to recruitment, retention, and graduation of African-American students, addressing diversity in the hiring of administrators, and strategies to better support the Black Student Union and the African-American Resource Center. So we wanted to kind of create this body. So I'll, I'll turn to the chancellor for an update on that. And then I also want to... Um, bring in kind of where I'm coming with some of these discussions and these items that we're having at the board. And this is kind of related to some of the work that I'm doing in the city around racial equity and um, what does racial equity mean? And I kind of just want to read the definition um, from the Office of Racial Equity that was established. So racial equity is a set of social justice practices rooted in a solid understanding and analysis of historical and present day oppression aiming towards a goal of fairness for all. As a process, we apply racial equity when those most impacted by the structural racial inequities are meaningfully involved in the creation and implementation of the institutional policies and practices that impact their lives. So that's kind of the lens um, that we've been integrating in some of these discussions. And so just kind of wanted to preface some of the discussion with that. Um, and so I know, I know we'll have a little bit more of a discussion, but just wanted to give uh, the chancellor an opportunity to respond. Uh, yes, uh, Trustee Chisty, and I know uh, we've had uh, several committees uh, engage in discussions on how we can support our African-American students. Uh, I know we're still looking at ways to uh, identify a singular committee. We do have uh, an opportunity here in the upcoming months with the work of the committee that will be doing the student retention and recruitment uh, planning. Uh, to ask that committee to uh, incorporate uh, concepts and ideas uh, in connection with uh, the work that's already going, how we can specifically target and support our African-American students. So I think that's an example of committee work uh, that will uh, happen here this fall. Uh, but I'll defer to uh, Dr. Cooper Wilkins if there's any additional comments. But I, I do know we have several committees on campus uh, who do uh, discuss uh, the support of our African-American students. And I think the identification of a singular committee uh, is ongoing work, but we are waiting to see where it best fits uh, within our uh, committee structure because we do have a lot of overlap. No, I would concur with that, Chancellor. So I would say, no, we have not established a, a specific committee at this point, Trustee uh, Chisty, but um, would like to prioritize that um, given all of these opportunities for synergy. Um, and also just want to make sure that um, that committee is structured in a way that it is working in tandem with, with the other committees. We have, like the chancellor said, several committees that are all sort of connected to some of the student success work and student retention work. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, I think the intent is not to create more bureaucracy. Sometimes there can be too many committees and then who knows. So thank, I, I totally hear you on that. I just want to re reiterate to um, the board members and maybe Trustee Chung and I can collaborate on this was that there was language around sending a letter of support around to the state budget to expand and increase funding 
um, for the Emoja program. So I don't know if that actually happened, but um, I would like for that to happen. Um, and then um, for CCSF to propose a spending plan to increase resources for the African-American Scholastic Emoja program as the budget is developed for the next fiscal year. So just also wanted to remind um, that this was language that we passed collectively. Thank you. Sorry, I know it's 7.30 and we're at time and it's really unfortunate because I do have some things I wanted to say. I was really surprised hearing about the African-American Resource Center. Um, they're not in attendance at the RCPU meetings, the Resource Centers and Programs United meeting, uh, which is under the Associated Students. And there are there are funds in the Associated Student Budget for the AARC um, that are not being utilized and have not been in the last few years. Um, it was my understanding that um, while Dorian Brown is the chair, that it's it sounded from the student perspective like there is a need for a program coordinator to dedicate themselves to this program. And it sounds like that is what's missing at this time. And in terms of BSU, as a member of the Inner Club Council and um, a representative for Student Parents United, another club on campus, um, BSU has not been active this year, nor was it last year. Um, it has been in previous years. Um, and so I just wanted to make mention of that. And I think uh, I think an advisory board would be great. Um, I don't know, just a thought, um, but yes. Do you want me to comment? Yeah, on that? sure. If you'd like to, yeah. <laughs> so I agree that a student co that a, that a coordinator has been much needed, and that problem has now been resolved and is oh. being brought on board. And we've identified at least one person that's going to be brought on. So as I said, this, this is Perfect. one of the things is that having a coordinator has been much needed, much asked for for a while, and is now being brought on board. There's been some specific issues around a few things that have fallen off uh, about that. That. I won't bring up in this setting, but that 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 has that has happened that that are personal that reasons why some things didn't get done. Understood. And but we did need a coordinator, mm -hmm. and it needed to be brought into parity with the Women's Resource Center. And so, trying to run a resource center and not have that has been really difficult. That has now been resolved. So I'm really excited about what that's going to bring. So that then will provide, I think, the driving force to help get the BSU restarted again. Um, as far as the funding that goes, that there's th there there's some interesting things about how that funding got first requested, and that there was some lack of clarity about how that all went. But now that we know that it's there, mm -hmm. and we have a coordinator, that money can be used. So it's it's all been sort of yes. hinged on getting this coordinator, which we now have. No, absolutely. I just don't want um, you know the AARC to lose. Uh, the chance at that funding under the associated student if years after year it's not being used. And thank you for clarifying because I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. So I look forward to seeing the African-American Resource Center at RCPU meetings because yep. I will be in attendance. And I've had a conversation with Amy Coffey just this week and Perfect. she's assured us that that money is yeah. still secure. It is. Thanks. Are there any other questions? Please go ahead, Trustee Green. I'll keep them short. Uh, I'll playfully tease you because I knew they were uh, the same group speaking. So I waited to for the second time around. Um, <clears throat> first, I just want to acknowledge the leadership of Dr. Cooper Wilkins, Dean Liang, Dr. Liang, um, mm -hmm. for what you've done. And speaking on, on the first issue of the students that are in the jail system, I, I just want to acknowledge that the work that you do affects the city the community is bigger than City College. Uh, the influences of those students going through this program and coming out and having those contacts with the community change and make it a safer, make it a better place for us to live in. Um, additionally, uh, the word equity, thinking about African-American resources, the word equity is used a lot when we talk about the 60s and 70s, the word was equality. Um, but at this point, equity is dead to me. Uh, it's about justice. Mm. And when you think about justice, this is where we need to put the resources first, uh, not last, not with everyone else. Um, it's more than, oh, let's get them a few books. We need to get them more books than they can handle. We need to get these these programs more counselors than they need, um, because what the if we want to do quantitative research, we know this is what works uh, for these populations. Uh, beyond the black population, our brown population, our students of color, our students that are incarcerated, our women. Um, when we look at when we look at what these services do, they far exceed 
what the norm, the educational norm is. And so I think we need to remember that um, when we when we look at how we get them these resources and we overdo it. And that's what I'm about. So I'm done. Thank you so much. And I know we're over time, but I'm just going to go to, um, if it's okay, agenda item 8A. Are there any um, future agenda item requests from the committee at this time? Grace, is there any public comment in relation to this? Sorry. No, we don't have. Okay. Anything. And then Trustee Chung, I think you had your hand up. Yeah, I was going to say the the process that um, Trustee Chisty implemented, I think that's that's how we're going to move forward, right, as far as requesting agenda items. Is that oh, does it change? You can verbally, you can also verbally say it here, but um, yes, I would. And then you can fill out the form so that we have something in writing that can help shape the presentation. So I would, given the time, I would suggest just yeah. submitting it later. <laughs> okay. Thanks. I'm sorry, Chair. We do have one public comment, Michael Adams. Oh, okay, perfect. Thank you. Go ahead, please, Michael. Thank you very much. I'll be quick. Uh, hello, board. Um, <clears throat> I would just like to throw one word out at, for this entire discussion, and thank you, uh, Dr. Green, for for posing the question in terms of more than you know more than equal share. We need to overcome the deficit, mm -hmm. which means piling on more, and so. Um, <clears throat> There are some of us in a voluntary basis with things that city colleagues are looking at the issue of reparations. And <clears throat> it has many definitions. As we know, it can go many, many different ways. But uh, just just framing some of the discussion with that theme mm -hmm. could be a real, real powerful thing for city colleagues to lead the way from both an academic and cultural and community uh, aspects. So I would hope, and I see some heads nodding, that's very encouraging, <laughs> that we can we can follow the lead mm -hmm. that was taken <clears throat> on that plaque way back when, when City College apologized to the Japanese community for what role we might have played, but just for the notion of being part of a system mm -hmm that hurt folks and apologizing publicly and then restoring educational benefits to Japanese students and fa families who were incarcerated and deprived. So we have a record. This would not be new for City College. It would be wonderful to grab this as we have. And you have, you all have the leadership we admire and respect. And I appreciate the tension that is created around asking challenging questions to each other. This is not a rubber stamp board. Might have been in the past, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but uh, this board it, it dares to question itself. And, and to me, that's a source of pride. So reparations, happy to work with you on a volunteer basis to do that. I have a lot of history mm. from days as urban league, city planning, other things that we can share. So thank you. Thank you so much. And with that, I am going to adjourn today's Student Success and Policy Committee meeting. Yeah.